0: Welcome to Back to My Garden. Discover your passion for gardening. Here's Dave Ledoux.
1: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world when you listen to this. I'm Dave Ledoux, and welcome to another episode of Back to My Garden. And today, folks, we're going to uncharted waters. We're going across the ocean to Ireland. Uh, David is passionate about the outdoors, connecting with nature and the environment, he loves how gardening can form a bridge to bring people together. He is a brilliant blogger where he writes about plants, nature, gardening, and food. In 2013, his blog, Beyond the Wild Garden, was named to the Garden Blog Hall of Fame. And in 2014, it was named Best Great Outdoors Blog. Joining us from Kildare, Ireland, please welcome David Corscadden. Hi, David. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Thanks for having me.
1: In 2015 your blog will uh, solve the energy crisis and global warming.
0: Well that's my plan.
1: I gave you a brief introduction. I'm so excited that you're here. I want to get to know you better and the guests want to hear your stories. Can you take a minute or two and just relax and share with us a little bit about your background and how did you get into gardening?
0: Um, I suppose for me I've no kind of direct connection to horse culture in that neither of my parents worked in it or were kind of very interested in it so it all stems from my grandfather on my dad's side who was a big gardener and literally from about the age of two or three I would follow him around the garden and a big thing for him was growing his own food so he had Uh, kind of small greenhouse near the house and then the rest of it he had kind of big massive I suppose it'd be almost like an allotment style garden so he kind of grew a lot of vegetables and he had kind of the fruit trees so I kind of grew up with my hands kind of in the muck following him around seeing what he was doing and then as I kind of got older I kind of became more aware of plants and of how things grow and kind of nature and that so I decided to kind of put a kind of academic spin on my love of plants and I went on to study horticulture in the University College Dublin so I did an undergrad degree here for four years and I graduated in 2013 but um, in the kind of middle of studying horticulture I became interested in journalism and I was always kind of interesting writing so i started the blog and that kind of led me on to doing some internships with garden magazines so i am when i graduated from studying horticulture i think i confused my lectures and my parents in, in that i went on to do a master's in journalism well my kind of end goal was to tie the two of them together but i think for everyone around me i just confused the entire situation when I suddenly went from plants to writing for newspapers. I suppose that's kind of me in a very quick nutshell.
1: Outstanding. Uh, I want to encourage the listeners, uh, sit back and relax. David and I are going to talk about gardening and a whole bunch of stuff here for the next 25 minutes. I'll take lots of notes and put them up on the blog at backtomygarden.com. Any resources or links that David shares now, I want you to follow him on social media, at on Twitter at David Corscadden. That's D A V I D C O R S C A D D E N. You must check out his blog at www.beyondthewildgarden.wordpress.com. wordpress com. Maybe we can start there because you're like this new breed, David. Of you know when you say horticulture journalism. You're kind of blurring the lines between the old media and the new media, uh, newspaper and magazine versus digital. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about all these accolades you're winning and kind of how did you get into blogging about what you're writing about on your blog?
0: Um, I suppose the blog itself, it um, turned four years old about two weeks ago and I'd literally just started as a way of me just explaining what I was doing in horse culture and kind of in college to my friends who had kind of no interest in gardening or anything like that. So it was originally started as just a way of me kind of explaining what a horse culturalist does. But then it kind of quickly exploded into me talking about plants and rambling on about the different things that I see on walks and kind of quickly got some attention and then in 2013 I got the um, Garden Blog Hall of Fame which was kind of a big shock to me because I was actually sitting in, I think it was a media law lecture in college one evening and my phone just started vibrating and lighting up and I was just getting tweets saying that I had won it. So it came as a kind of great surprise and um, then the more recent one was from the Irish Blog Awards so I kind of am extremely happy with both of them because the Irish Blog Awards it's kind of from fellow Irish bloggers so it has that kind of special connection to me whereas the Garden Blog Hall of Fame one is so many other people and I was up against such kind of brilliant blogs that kind of came as a big shock to me so um yeah that was kind of nice accolade to kind of show that people were actually reading my somewhat crazy ramblings on about plants
1: mm. for the listeners who actually dream about blogging i know a lot of the listeners do write about their garden make sure you go to david's blog and and what i saw or what i read what struck me is you write with a little bit of wit and your own sense of humor and you have opinion you're not uh, watering it down you're just very clear in what you believe or what you think or what you don't know when you write about that that's what struck me about your writing is you have a very at least your modern stuff is a very clear distinct voice is that what you studied at school is this natural how have you developed your writing style
0: Um, I think my kind of writing style on the blog was very deliberate once I kind of really got into it was that I wasn't trying to be an expert in horse culture because I don't think anyone can really be an expert in gardening it's something that you continuous learning from either your mistakes or kind of advice that you get from someone else so I kind of never claimed to be an expert in gardening or that I'm more just of sharing my own experiences and kind of showing people what worked for me or what didn't work for me and kind of hoping that kind of people follow along and kind of the best thing about the blog for me is when people comment on it and kind of tell me if something works completely differently for them that's kind of where I get the kind of energy to like write all the blog posts from.
1: Mm. You used the word deliberate I like that deliberate and authentic Like it would be hard for you to outsource your blog writing to India because w- your, vo- your voice is distinct, much. right? Yeah, exactly
0: and I think that was the big thing about the blog was that it's a blog and it's not a website, if it was a website it's very formal and it has to be kind of it has to be censored in a way whereas kind of keeping it as a blog gives me the kind of fluidity and it means that I can be opinionated in it, and it's really kind of me on a page, kind of sharing my own thoughts, uh, but kind of trying to educate people in a way that I would have liked to have been told. If that makes any sense at all.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I love, uh, maybe you can talk about this, is you have your digital presence, which grows by the week, but you have a foot in horticulture journalism in the 20th, 20th century with newspaper or magazine writing uh, what are some of the high points of that so far for you
0: um, I suppose the kind of biggest milestone so far was getting a gardening column in the Kildare Post, which is kind of a weekly newspaper that goes around um, County Kildare and it has um, an online version as well that was my kind of first horticultural dedicated regular kind of work that I was doing and apart from that I've kind of done a good few kind of freelance articles in different magazines so the likes of Tangible Magazine which is a magazine that goes around coffee shops in Dublin and it was kind of really a step away from the blog in that the whole principle behind the magazine is that It's a very traditional medium that there's kind of little or no online presence. You literally have to get the magazine to read the content. So it was kind of stepping back to the way magazines used to be. And that was kind of fun for me to work on. And I'm working on a new column or a new feature for them at the moment, which will be coming out in March. And it's kind of a gardening 101 for people living in the city and kind of people who have never gardened before. So it's kind of the kind of traditional writing of feature articles is kind of fun for me in that I'm kind of revisiting some of the blog posts that I've done a couple of years ago, but I'm kind of updating them in a much more elaborate way because I kind of feel with the blog, once I write something on the blog, someone can find it if they just search for it. So I try not to kind of repeat myself. Whereas kind of going back down the kind of more traditional journalism route, I'm kind of getting to update all those blog posts and kind of expand on them. So they've been kind of my two big highlights so far. And then um, I got to edit a small magazine for a horticultural trade show that happened last summer. So it was my first kind of official editor's letter that i got to write so that was kind of another big milestone for me i seem to just be kind of ticking them off very quickly which is scaring me somewhat that it's happening so fast but it's also very enjoyable as well nice
1: you know david we have listeners now in 62 countries which boggles my mind uh what's the conversation about gardening and horticulture in ireland recently uh, what's popular what are people discussing what are some of the trends you see
0: Um, I suppose kind of the big discussion that's been going on or that I've kind of been paying attention to a lot is kind of young people getting involved in horse culture it's kind of an open dialogue that's been going on for the past year or two in Ireland and more so in the United Kingdom because we're so close kind of horse culture interconnects a lot between Ireland and the UK. So it's kind of a movement that started over in the UK and it's slowly trickling over here and kind of gathering a lot of speed at the moment, which I'm kind of very interested in because it's something I obviously would like to see is a lot more young people involved in horse culture. That's a kind of big new story that I've been following at the moment. Um, I suppose apart from that, kind of the big kind of Irish garden news last year was um, Powerscourt Estate in Wicklow was named one of the top tree gardens by National Geographic. Kind of a big coup for Irish gardens because we do have so many great gardens in Ireland, but that it was recognised by an international body and someone like the National Geographic. It's kind of a big milestone for Irish horse culture, I thought.
1: Nice. (laughs) I can just picture the British being
0: outraged. (laughs) Exactly. Um, (laughs) I'm not even, I'm not sure if a British garden made the top tree. I know there's definitely a garden in France. Not sure if the UK made the top tree or not.
1: I love that there can even be rivalries and national and international competitions in horticulture. It just kind of shows that uh, the industry as a whole is at a level where these things can occur.
0: Exactly. It really is.
1: You know, my father-in-law is from Greece. And oh, is he? And after the war, they moved to Canada. And when they left Greece, everybody gardened because it was basically for survival. Mm. Then over the generations came. You know, by the time the Olympics rolled into Greece, nobody gardened. There couldn't be anything further from being cool. None of the kids wanted anything to do with gardening. (laughs) Then, you know, the whole Greek debt thing happened. And all of a sudden, everybody started to talk about gardening again. And they ripped up their patios and ripped up their lawns and started planting gardens. I just find it interesting in times of economic turmoil uh, gardening comes back into uh, popularity in a big way
0: It definitely does and it's something I kind of recognised here in Ireland when the downturn did come people moved from kind of buying all their vegetables in a supermarket for kind of an extremely high price to even considering growing them themselves so I think when things are hard you kind of do return to the kind of more traditional ways of kind of growing what you can and then just spending money on what you actually can't produce yourself.
1: I know you like writing about food as well. Yes, I I, do. I I try to, you know, what's Ireland's cuisine? Like, how
0: would you describe it? Um, I suppose in, I suppose we're slightly different to the likes of, italy say where you think pizza pasta it's very kind of iconic italian food we don't really have a kind of very iconic food it's more ingredients and it's very fresh food it's kind of very high quality produce and a big thing with irish food is it's very local so it's kind of food that if the produce could have been grown or produced two miles away from your house. I think that's kind of what to me anyway defines kind of Irish food is that it's very local it's very natural and kind of fresh and healthy
1: hmm. A lot of the television in North America is actually exported by a company out of England called Fremantle media, and so whatever's popular in England, five years ago, is starting to come into North America, including shows about uh, gardening from a 100 years ago or trying to live uh, on everything within a 100 miles of home. And I always joke, like, uh, if you turn on television in North America, you'll see Dancing with the Stars, you'll see uh, uh, American Idol, I mean, all of these massively popular uh, cultural significant shows in North America originated in England. Do you have that in Ireland? I know a lot of North Americans don't even know that you're not part of the United Kingdom, but you're a very distinct culture and a very unique country, much like Canada and the U.S. kind of get glommed together or New Zealand and Australia.
0: Um, You know, I think we do kind of inherit a lot of, television programs from the UK so we'd have things like The X Factor and right. Dancing Dance with the Stars would appear and I suppose the big thing in the past couple of years have been things like the Great British Bake Off or the Great Irish Bake Off and I think there's a slow move in Ireland to kind of produce our own versions of the show so it's kind of taking the concept but promoting Irish bakers, kind of amateur bakers. And there's a few kind of good gardening-like shows in the UK at the moment. So there's one that's run a few seasons out. It's the big allotment challenge. That's right. It's fantastic. I would be more than happy to see an Irish version of that appear.
1: I was trying to bring my long convoluted podcast point back around to the, you know, they're having reality shows about gardening. It's probably five years or 10 years out from North America, but uh, the allotment system, is that embraced in
0: Ireland as well? Um, I think it definitely is in the likes of Dublin, kind of the bigger cities, would be more kind of allotments because garden sizes are a lot smaller. Um, Around me in Kildare, we've kind of a bit more space. So you'd see more people having a personal allotment, as I like to call it. So kind of a part of the garden that is kind of dedicated to fruit and vegetables. But definitely, I know a lot of people and there's a lot of bloggers that I follow who are just blogging about their kind of time at an allotment and what they're doing in their own allotment so definitely and especially since the downturn as we were kind of saying earlier it's something that's becoming more popular i know there's kind of a lot of competition to get into allotments and actually kind of have a space that you can kind of go grow whatever food that you're interested in
1: i have to ask you because the listeners are probably curious i interviewed a lot of expert gardeners and gardeners or who are involved in the horticulture industry and they're so busy it's like a case of the cobbler's kids don't have their own shoes did you get a chance to garden yourself last year
0: um not as much as i would have liked to um my own garden is um it's being slightly neglected this year um I think I've spent more time working in other people's gardens than I have in my own, which is a bit of a shame. And I've spent more time going around visiting fantastic gardens that when I get home, I just look out the window and see what my lovely uh one half year old Labrador has done to my garden and kind of just weep a little on the inside.
1: Yeah, I love it. Candid admission, right. But see, when you touch somebody else's garden, you leave a little fingerprint anytime you share a plant or get involved.
0: Exact. That's what I like to think anyway.
1: Very good. I just glanced at the clock and our time is flying by. And now is the time in the show, David, where we play a game called Five Quick Questions. Okay. This is your chance to share your wisdom and knowledge with novice beginner gardeners. Are you ready to play? Yes. Okay, question number one. What's the funniest or craziest or most unusual mistake that you've ever made in a garden that you're willing to admit to in public?
0: Um, I had the big ambition of building a pond in my own garden, and I tend to use my own garden as almost an experiment area where I can practice things before I do it in other people's gardens and I put a lot of effort into the pond made lovely shape great size thought it would attract lots of wildlife into my garden put the liner in filled it with water I left it for an hour or two because I thought it'll take a while to fill and I came back and I noticed it was only kind of half full um, it was then I noticed that my pond wasn't actually level, so the water was just flowing out and into another part of my garden. Oh, that's, no. my, that's my big failure in the garden at the moment.
1: A great example. And it'll give inspiration to other gardeners to try to dig a hole and line it with rubber.
0: Exactly. It hasn't happened since, though. I've built a few ponds that have been level. It's the first thing I check now.
1: I'm completely nodding. I had a pond in one of my gardens and a deer went into the pond to drink on a hot summer's day and stepped through the liner and tore it and uh had to move thousands of pounds of rocks to get at this liner
0: i i don't think i'll have to worry about deer getting into my garden i'd be more worried about the labrador puppy getting in yeah who i'd say would have a great swim in it if she could
1: I love water features. Uh, Question two If you were only allowed to grow one plant what plant would you have to grow?
0: That is a very hard question Um, I'm a kind of big plant person in that I can't get enough plants Um, it's supposed to be a toss up between either lavender or sunflowers at a push I'd have to say lavender
1: wow I'm a big sunflower fan myself I have both in ours
0: it's they're kind of two plants that a garden has to have in my opinion anyway
1: when you said lavender I thought instantly of pollinators like bees yeah do you have a bee issue in Ireland or are you doing pretty well with your bees
0: Um, I think Bees are kind of a sensitive subject all over the world and that they're kind of, they need gardener's help to make sure you're kind of gardening responsibly, that you aren't damaging them more than they're being damaged already. So in my own garden, I'm trying to kind of fill it with anything that will kind of help bees in a way. So a lot of kind of pollinating plants are kind of making an appearance, especially around um, my vegetable garden. I'm trying to turn the kind of surrounding areas into kind of bee sanctuary, almost.
1: Brilliant. It Really makes sense, you know. The you got space for flowers around the veg. You might as well. I mean, they they get along famously.
0: Exactly, they do, and it, I think that's a big thing about my vegetable garden is that it's not just productive i want it to kind of look pretty as well i want it to be somewhere where i'll be happy to kind of spend an hour or two on my hands and knees pulling weeds
1: when you grow sunflowers are they the ornamental kind or the kind that you have the seeds that you can eat
0: um i just grow the ornamental ones i would love to grow the ones that you can um eat the seeds from i become very addicted to overnight oats it's my kind of go-to breakfast at the moment and i'm constantly putting sunflower seeds on top of it so i'd love to be actually able to go out into my own garden and get some that i could add to my breakfast
1: very nice last year we grew a kind called a mammoth and this year we're growing something called a titan and nine to ten feet tall
0: you see yeah that's what i love about sunflowers is that they're kind of the big giants of the garden kind of for me they're kind of great beacon of kind of joy at the end of my garden because i always put them as far down the garden as possible because it'll force me to walk down the garden and go see how they're doing nice
1: a question three now we talk about gardening websites i want everybody again to bookmark and visit david's site at www.beyondthewildgarden.wordpress.com uh, David, do you have uh, a couple of favourite gardening websites to share? Um, I do.
0: Um, I know I listened to um, Catherine Alto, who's on the show, and she stole my kind of number one website, which is the RHS. Mm-hmm. So it's the rhs.org.uk. But I just love it for kind of plant advice and kind of gardening advice in general i think kind of a great resource to have in that so many different sections of it it's kind of horticulture summed up in one website but you can find the advice on kind of how big a plant will grow when its best season is so i kind of find it good when you're trying to plan either like an entire garden or just a flower bed or kind of adding a bit more interest to a flower bed kind of Spending an hour or two just scrolling through all the different sections, and you'll no doubt find kind of a great plant or something on it that you wouldn't have thought of, or you wouldn't, you mightn't have seen kind of in a garden centre that you can kind of go on the hunt for. Nice. And um, I suppose another website I like is um, Gardenista. dot com. Mm-hmm. It's more for the kind of garden inspiration so i'll spend kind of i'm ashamed to admit but hours and hours on it just scrolling through the posts and the photos and trying to find even kind of small ideas from the gardens that they're looking at and kind of trying to recreate them in my own garden
1: nice i have three that i'm going to suggest for you that if okay. you, i can introduce you guys maybe you can do some cross blog promotion uh, Andrew Keyes has a brilliant blog called gardensmackdown.com. Again, I'll have these links. If you're driving, don't try to write these on your phone with your thumb. I'll have the links up on the blog. Then Andrea Bellamy, she has a site called heavypedal.ca. And she's Canadian. And uh, Rochelle Greer. We had Rochelle on the show in our first month. She has a magazine, a print magazine that she is publisher for called Pith and Vigor. And her website is studiogblog.com. So I'll share those links that David and I shared up on the site. Uh, Question four is the flip side is, do you have a favorite gardening book that you can
0: suggest, David? Um, I'm breaking the rules in that I'm going to say anything by Carol Klein. Um, i completely massive fan of Carol Klein, but um, I suppose the one book of hers that I go to time and time again is one that she did for the RHS called Grow Your Own Veg, mm-hmm. and it literally goes through every vegetable that you'd ever want to grow in your garden and gives you every sort of tip, advice, kind of everything you need to know about that vegetable and how to kind of grow it successfully in your garden.
1: I love it. I love those kind of, you know, encyclopedic, you know, if you're going to write a book, write a book. <laughs> you know, Exactly.
0: Yeah, and that's very much kind of an encyclopedia for a vegetable garden. She goes through vegetables you wouldn't even think about growing. She'll talk about them.
1: A question five is a fun one. There's no right or wrong answer. Uh, David, is there anything that you've never grown that you would love to take a run at, take an experiment with in your own garden?
0: Um, there's a lot of kind of herbaceous plants that I haven't grown. I'd love to grow delphiniums just because I love the flowers and it's something that I every time I walk past a certain part of my garden, I say... I want this plant right there, but I haven't grown it yet. So it's been on my bucket list of plants to buy for about the past two years. So I think this year it has to be bought and just slotted in.
1: Beautiful. I got the chance to interview a hydrangea expert. And when your episode comes out, she'll be the episode before. And she was part of this organization that studied how to change the color of the plant, of the flower by feeding the soil Mm. and I'm enamored with like plant science you know it makes sense if humans change their diet our appearance changes so why not plants right
0: exactly and um, I love hydrangeas and especially in Ireland because our soil changes so much and if you were to go on kind of a long enough drive around the country you'll go through areas where you'll have extremely kind of vibrant pink ones to kind of almost baby blue ones. So I like that way in that I'd love a garden where I had both in this, right beside each other, but I think I'd have to add a lot of different things to my soil. It would be kind of mad scientist experiment to try and do it. I love
1: it. Uh, we're coming up on the beginning here of a brand new year. What does this 2015 kind of hold for you? What are some things you hope to accomplish?
0: Um, I suppose the biggest thing at the moment is my dissertation for my master's. So I finished my master's in August. So that is the one thing that I have kind of stuck at the back of my mind that's kind of distracting me from going on elaborate garden travels, but... um, my dissertation i've been slightly adventurous in that i've decided to make my own garden magazine so it's very related to the kind of my gardening world but it's kind of my big big project for this year and i think if i manage to pull that off the rest of the year will just be spent trying to recover from the three or four months i've spent trying to make the garden magazine
1: amazing uh, for those of you listening, if you have uh, a love of gardening magazines, reach out to David on Twitter, at David Korsgadden, and then, of course, through his uh, amazing blog at beyondthewildgarden.wordpress.com. Uh, David, we're nearly out of time. You've been a brilliant guest. Thank you very much. I want to invite you to have the last word to the listeners today. Can you leave us with either a pearl of wisdom or a note of encouragement?
0: Um, I suppose the one bit of advice I got when I was kind of studying horticulture and I kind of started the blog was to not compare myself to anyone else and just go at my own speed and do what I think is right in a garden even though people might contradict you and it might work out it, gardening is an experiment and it's learning from your mistakes and not being afraid to make the mistakes that plants will die but you can buy another one to replace it absolutely
1: sensational thank you for being on the show david
0: thank you very much for having me